Brilliant. And we're now going to have our reading, and it is taken from Esther chapter 4, verses 1, um, to chapter 5, verse 8. And um, if you're flicking through your Bible, it's found on page 503 in the Red Bibles. And there are other um, Bibles in different languages and different versions at the back, um, if um, you require one of those. But let's read from Esther 4, chapter 1. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death. Unless the king extends the gold scepter to him and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her 
and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, Now, what is your petition? It will be given you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Pete, thank you very much uh, for reading that next bit of Esther uh, that we're going to look at now. Uh, If you've been with us, we've been working our way through Esther the last uh, few weeks, uh, and this is the next bit of the story. So why don't we pray as we come to look at it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us uh, today, Uh, and so we pray that you would speak to us um, and you would... Uh, Help us to see more of who you are through it. Amen. Well, uh, I don't know about you, but that reading for me leaves us on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, This is the literal cliffhanger from the end of The Italian Job, if you don't know this film. But, you know, you're you're kind of left. What is going to happen next? uh, Esther has invited the king to a banquet. He's come. uh, And then she's invited to another one. Is he going to come? What's going to happen? Uh, will she get listened to? What's she going to be able to say? How is this all going to play out with the, uh, the Jews in such a hopeless, uh, horrible situation? Is she going to be able to do anything to affect it? Now, you may know how the story of Esther plays out, but just imagine for a moment uh, that you are reading this for the first time. Maybe you are. Don't you want to know what happens next? How we're going to go from one thing to another? Is Mordecai right? The end of uh, verse 14 there. Is this the way that God's sovereign, silent sovereignty has been working for such a time as this? We'll be seeing God's silent sovereignty throughout Esther. Is this where it's all building up to? Is this why Esther has been made queen? Uh, Is this God's plan? And God's way of preserving and protecting his people. Remember, uh, if you haven't been with us, uh, the Jews are in a hopeless situation in a foreign land. And not only are they in a foreign land, uh, but Haman uh, has taken massive issue with, uh, with Mordecai, uh, Esther's uh, cousin. Uh, and he has got the king to issue this edict that means all the Jews in the whole of the Persian uh, Empire where they are are going to be killed. They're going to be absolutely wiped out. It's a horrible situation. It is, it is, it is genocide. Um, and it seems to Jews there's no hope left. I mean, if you think about uh, genocide you've heard about on the news, or, or maybe, maybe you've even experienced some nearby you. There were some reports this week even uh, trying to stop some that are happening in Myanmar. 
People are scared for their lives. Onlookers don't know what to do because they know if they get involved, they'll be caught up, they'll be killed. They are, uh, genocide is desperate, it's evil, it, it's, it's a hopeless situation, and that's exactly where the Jews find themselves. It's horrible. And as Esther hears about this uh, edict uh, that proclaims this genocide from Mordecai, she, Mordecai, to her surprise, instructs her that she must plead for the Jews. Do you see that there in verse 8? Uh, instructs her into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead for, with him for her people. Esther's, at this point, faced with a big decision. To do nothing or to do something. Look at verse 11. All the king's officials and the people of... Uh, sorry, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Can you see Esther's predicament uh, at this point? And she kind of sees she's got two options. She can either uh, remain silent, uh, not do anything, uh, and if she does that, um, then it's quite possible her Jewish identity would be found out uh, and she'd be caught up in the genocide and she'd be killed. Or Esther could approach the king uh, and go towards him, but she seems to think that the most likely thing that will happen is the king won't offer his scepter, and there's one, but one law for people. She'll be killed. Whichever option she looks as the way she looks at it is potentially uh, a fatal situation for her. So what's she going to do? Is she going to do nothing, or is she going to do something? Either way, she's potentially in trouble. Either way, we're left wondering, how's this going to play out? What, what, is, going to, what is going to happen here? Uh, and, and as this message gets passed back to Mordecai, for uh, one of the eunuchs, uh, Mordecai understands Esther's predicament. Uh, she he-, he hears what Esther has to say. Uh, but amazingly, he responds with this, uh, this challenge to her. And it's a challenge that really, I think, demonstrates Mordecai's trust in God. Is it for such a time as this? Again at verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But ye and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have to come to your royal position for such a time as this. See, Mordecai agrees. Esther, you have two options. See, Nothing or to do something. But he wants her to look beyond herself, to look to the, to the people that she is part of, to, to see perhaps there's God's silent sovereignty at work. Because, yes, she could do nothing. But Mordecai is convinced that if she does nothing, you are definitely going to die. Now notice, uh, he's convinced that Esther uh, is going to die, but he knows that God's people will still be delivered. It just won't be through Esther. He knows God's promises that he's not going to leave his people. 
But Esther could do nothing. Or she could do something. She could approach the king. He hold out his royal scepter. He listened to her. Because maybe, just maybe, that's the reason, Esther, you're a queen for such a time as this. Now, God's name is still not being mentioned. As we said, each week God's name is not mentioned throughout this book. And yet, how can you not get to this point and wonder, is this the way that God's silent sovereignty is working? Is this the way that God is, is going to preserve and protect his people? Maybe Esther is here for just a time as this. Now, Esther still needs to decide to do something. There is uh, human responsibility as well as uh, God's sovereignty at play. And although both options are still potentially fatal for her, one of the options also has the potential to save many people. And that's the option she goes for. Look at verse 16. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So she asked the, uh, the Jews to fast for three days. She'll fast for three days with her attendants. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Her, her non-Jewish attendants are also going to be doing the fasting uh, from, uh, from her instruction. Maybe that's a sign, of, uh, again, of how she uh, has lived uh, within the palace. But she asked for this three days of fasting. I think that gives the Jews three days to pray. And it gives Esther three days to pray and to plan. She decides she's going to do something. What's she going to do? How's that going to work out? She doesn't rush into making a decision. She's measured. She's thoughtful. She's prayerful. She uses wisdom. She uses bravery. How, what is the thing that she is going to do? And after that time of praying and planning... She approaches the king. Approach the king on behalf of the Jews. So long as just for her, she's willing to give her life for the sake of many. If I perish, I perish. Now, spoiler alert. I'm going to just jump us through a little bit. Uh, uh, Esther's actions as we go through uh, the story, um, they do save God's people. Esther is the one who uh, has been raised up by God to preserve and protect God's people. Mordecai is right. This is why she is queen for uh, such a time as this. And isn't that the way that God works throughout the Bible? He raises someone up when a situation seems completely hopeless. Again and again, God raises someone up uh, for just a t- uh, for such a time as this. You know, think about it, if you know uh, the Old Testament, Joseph morally messy situation uh, sold into slavery and yet at the end of the story he says to his brothers uh, you meant it to harm me God meant it for God was there for goods what about Moses again a morally uh, messy situation he murdered an Egyptian he fled but God brought him back uh, and he left the people out of Egypt what about King David a morally messy situation. Uh, he committed adultery, and yet he was uh, the greatest king for Israel, bringing a time of prosperity 
to them. Esther is in a morally messy situation. We've seen that already. But God uh, raised her up for such a time as this. But for all those people, they only protected God's people for a while. What God's people really, what we need, is someone who will fully and finally preserve and protect God's people forever. Someone who God raised up in a hopeless situation. Someone who would come at just the right time. Look at how Paul describes Jesus uh, to the Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were in a hopeless situation. That's what it says there. We were powerless. That means we were powerless to save ourselves. We were ungodly. We had no right uh, to get near God uh, and his eternal goodness. But into that hopeless situation of being lost, being dead in sin, God sent Jesus. What does it say? At just the right time. God sent someone at just the right time, another one who was willing to give his life for the sake of many. Jesus' death and resurrection as well. We've got, we had an all-one service uh, earlier where we were demonstrating this. Just the right time, clock, Jesus came. It's God's sovereignty. Jesus' death and resurrection was no accident. It was God's sovereignty uh, to save and protect uh, God's people, not just for a short time, but forever, fully and finally. See, there are no accidents with God. I hope we've seen that as we go through the story of of Esther. There are no accidents with God. He put Esther in the royal place, in that morally messy situation, but he put her there, part of his plan for such a time as this, to preserve and protect his people. He sent Jesus into, into the, the hopeless situation uh, of, of the world uh, lost in sin at just the right time to preserve and protect his people forever, finally. There's no accidents. Uh, and so we're, we're kind of left with the question, maybe he's put you here now for such a time as this. There's no accidents. There are times uh, when we look uh, at people around us and they seem like they're in hopeless situations. Where it's that friend's who is crying and you just don't know why. Whether it's that person you know who's just lost a loved one. Maybe it's the colleague at work who's just lost their job. Maybe it's the person who's battling the the, the depths of depression. When we look at those situations, we, we often don't know what to say, we don't know what to do. They're horrible situations. They seem uh, hopeless. If you're going through one now, I don't, you know, it is difficult. <laughs> we all know that. It's horrible, it's hopeless. Uh, although I hope the story of Esther shows us that none of those situations are completely hopeless. Even the, the hopeless situation that Esther and the Jews found themselves in, God can use. 
And if you know someone going through one of those horrible, seemingly hopeless situations, we've got a decision to make. We can either do nothing, or we can do something. Now, there may be what times uh, where it is wise to do nothing. But I wonder if uh, too often that's just our default. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We, we kind of think, oh, the person doesn't want me uh, around at this time. I'll just get in the way, or, or I'll just ignore what's going on. And it'll, all, it'll all sort itself out in a bit of in, in a time. But actually, maybe we need to be more willing to think a little bit more like Esther. To pray, to plan, and to think, has God put me here for such a time as this? Now, God's silent sovereignty is always working, even if, we, even if we can't see it. So maybe he's put you uh, in that lecture hall next to someone, or, or in the same office as someone else. Uh, has given you those neighbours. It's no accident that you know those people. Maybe it is for such a time as this. Now, I'm not suggesting that we would all have big life and death decisions like Esther to, to deal with, although who knows. It's more likely that God has put us here for such a time as this in this much smaller ways. Maybe it's so you could talk to someone who's having a hard time. Maybe so you can pick up the phone and give someone a call. Send the WhatsApp message. Maybe it's just asking someone if they're okay. Maybe sending someone a Bible verse, having someone around for a meal, uh, providing financial support, uh, reading the Bible with someone. Maybe it is just sitting with someone and crying with them because you don't know what to say in the situation. But being there is better than not. The options are are endless. Uh, Often the worst option is probably to do nothing. God loves his people. He has uh, sent Jesus uh, to show that. He has sent Jesus to uh, preserve and protect his people. Uh, And he is still working, just as he was with Esther. Uh, He is still working to preserve and protect his people now. And one of the ways that he does that is by giving us each other. We uh, are here today as a family. It's part of God's love that he's given us each other so we can care for each other. We can support each other. We can cry together. We can laugh together. And we can point each other to him. There's a whole host of situations uh, where this could become true. As you're sitting there today, maybe something has been brought to your mind where you think of, I remember someone who was there for me for such a time as this. Or perhaps you're sitting there thinking, uh, maybe there was someone I could do this for this week. What I'm going to get us to do, for just for a few minutes, is to talk about those two things with people uh, nearby. Can you look back on your life and see God's silent sovereignty and think, that person was there for me at just the right time? Or can you think of, uh, of someone this week who you might want to get in contact with? Uh, and be there for them. So I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes. Talk to the the person uh, next to you, uh, nearby. Just a couple of minutes on those two questions. I'm going to interrupt those conversations. It's great to hear that buzz uh, of people uh, talking about these things. You you don't have to stop. You can carry on afterwards um, talking about them. 
I don't know what you've chatted about. I mean, as I, I was thinking about this, when I look back, I can think of times where you know, we've uh, moved a house to a new city. You know, we don't know what's going on. Everything is still in boxes. Uh, and people have just knocked on the door and said hello and welcome. Or have bought us uh, a meal because we don't even know where the frying pan is in amongst all the boxes. It, it's this little thing. You know, when we were struggling with... Uh, being absolutely exhausted, um, having uh, just had our second child. Someone just offered to do our washing for us for a month. It, in many ways, it's so small, and yet it was so helpful uh, for us at that time, just one less thing to think about. You've got to get over the, you know, people doing your washing for you. But, you know, do you see, it doesn't have to be a big thing. God may have put you here, even this week, even someone you've just thought about for such a time as this. He sent Jesus at just the right time. He showed that he will preserve and protect his people. Even when it seems like his name is never mentioned, he is still sovereignly doing that. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the times that we can look back over our lives and see the way that you have worked, you have used people uh, at just the right time for us. And Lord, thank you that you ultimately show that in the Lord Jesus. That when we were in the the hopeless situation of being uh, lost and dead in sin, uh, that you saved him, You, you brought him to save us, to die on that cross at just the right time so that we would be preserved and protected forever. Lord, thank you that uh, if we are Christians here today, that is true for us and nothing can separate us uh, from your love that's in Christ Jesus. Uh, And so uh, as we see that love, we pray that we would go out and we would uh, be people who are willing uh, to um, be there for such a time as this for others. Maybe to speak your truth in. Maybe just to sit there and cry with them. Maybe to join in with their celebration and their joy. Whatever it is. Or may we be willing to be used by ye in that way. Amen. Uh, We are going to uh, sing a song that flows right from that. That actually, in God's silent song, what we've been seeing through Esther, that he will preserve and protect his people because he will hold us fast. Let's stand uh, and sing this together.